right, hello everybody and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we return to you after an intermittent schedule as ne- as needed though, and uh, glad to be back for this episode to talk to you guys about board games and design and s- those such things. And I guess we'll just jump right into it with uh, what have we been up to? What have we been playing or what have we been trying to get played? Well, I finally got one game played, so it's like the only game I've gotten played <laughs> in the last like month. So I am very, very excited, and it was one I'd never played before. It's one that I think I briefly mentioned here um, on previous episodes, but uh, it's a Kickstarter that I backed uh, a while back. I got it maybe, I don't know, probably what, November, December, January, something like that, uh, and it's Winterborn. I finally got a chance to play it with, uh, with my son, Joey, and he's, uh, he's 16, well, about to be 16, and uh, we played a two-player. It plays uh, one to four, so it does have a solo mode that I have yet to check out. Um, comes in a tiny little box that looks like kind of a tiny little cute game, and uh, huh. it is so much more. Um, it is a meaty, meaty, thorough sort of game. Um, took up a surprising amount of table space for two players. Uh, I don't think we could have played four on our table. Uh, going to put pictures up on Instagram of this so you can kind of take a look. Uh, but it um, it's a Viking game. Um, Winterborn, it's kind of, I guess it's sort of like a proto-Viking game. It's got like uh, warriors and shaman and explorers and Viking boats and stuff like that. And uh, each player takes uh, the role of a house. Uh, I was house, uh, I don't know, something or other. House, uh, here's a picture, Skogula. And um, (laughs) Joey was uh, house Sarah, C-E-R-A, not like Sarah, like the girl. So, um, although girls are welcome to play, um, and they can play Skullgula or Sarah or any, any, any ones that they want. Um, and so there's this, this kind of hex layout, uh, of different, uh, six different provinces and everybody sort of starts with, uh, they, they start with a player board of their own and then they have this, uh, this map section that is basically a duplicate of the main board. And okay. so the idea is there's there's all these uh, gray sections that can be filled in, and so they're expanding uh, expanding their, their country and all that, and their kingdom or what have you, and exploring things. And the main board has, like, spoils and exploration cards and um, exploration uh, hexes that they can take and put on their sideboards to expand their their kingdoms and uh there's also ally cards that they can trade with and they they count towards end of game scoring and um it's basically uh kind of a deck builder um although i'd 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 hesitate to call it really a uh like what we typically think of as a deck builder because it, it takes a while to really build it up you have six cards to begin with and I think at the end of the game, I had built up to a total of like nine or ten cards. So you're not you're adding cards to your hand, um, and hmm. you're only drawing you know like four at a time. Uh, but you're not building a big huge deck. Uh, you're just adding a few cards by the end of the game. I think Joey really jumped into the deck building part of it, and I think he probably only had twelve or fourteen cards. So you're not expanding right. your 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 deck real huge. It's uh it's a part of the game, but I wouldn't by any means call it a deck building game. Um, gotcha. So you're basically uh, each turn you can play uh, as many cards as you have in your hand, and there is an area for certain cards that uh, you can put aside, and they're in like your reserve, and they're also available to play out of your hand, but they don't take up hand space. Mm-hmm. So you can play uh, quite a few cards in, in a hand uh, in a turn, but you can just keep playing cards until you're done. The idea is that you have a shaman, a warrior, and an explorer. And these meeples start on different places on your board. 
and you play a card to activate one of them and then another card they're all multi-use cards so and then you play another card to uh say how how much movement they have on that turn so like one card is activates your warrior the next card move him three spaces so it basically takes two cards to really do something um you also have the option of playing uh, a card uh, just to give you a reward um there are uh three different resources there's um military food and gold so you can just uh so like a card on the corner might have a warrior symbol say the number two and uh what looks like a ham bone uh so that card can be used to either activate a warrior move something that's been activated two spaces or just get a food so they're they're all multi-use cards and you can kind of mix and match on how you you want to play them uh your initial hand of six cards has uh two warrior cards two shaman cards and two uh explorer cards so okay uh as you're deck building and conquering things and exploring things you're you're you can take additional cards into your hand and things like that but that's basically the core of it you can also build buildings and after you build a couple buildings you can drop a church um, everything kind of costs money. You can uh, conquer uh, one of the particular tiles, and then you can get that gives you uh, little mini tiles that you can add to your section of your board, your own personal board. And it's just there's a ton going on, and it really it excited me kind of the way uh, once I got to the end of it, kind of the way that Orléans did. In that, and it oh, almost nice. reminds me of a mini. Orleans, as far as uh, the gameplay is completely different and they're, they're no way shape or form similar in any way uh, <laughs> but it evokes that same kind of wow i could go a bunch of different directions uh there's a lot of different in-game scoring opportunities and there were a couple that i just completely ignored um joey really went after um a couple of the ones i ignored but he really hit a little bit on every single one which i think does not seem to be the best strategy because uh, right. each each one of them kind of builds on itself. So if you scatter yourself out too much and concentrate on too many different things, you only score a little bit in a bunch of different areas instead of a whole bunch in a couple areas. And, uh, and it seems more exponential if you go after just a few things. There's not any one particular thing you can go after and just dominate, uh, which I really like. Um, and there's just uh, it. It really depends on early on, kind of what cards you're drawing, uh, what cards are out on the board in the different spots, what you can get to quickly. Uh, I really heavily went after allies early on, and they kind of give uh, they they give uh, allies you trade with. So you you send your shaman off, and he he trades with somebody, and you have to do it'll be like. Um, you can trade a gold for two food or something like that. Once you make that trade, you take that ally card and put it face down in front of you uh, in your kind of reserve thing, and that's it. From that point on, it's just in-game scoring. But there are a lot of ally cards that really add a lot to in-game scoring. Some of them have like double points and things like that. And so I really, really hard the whole game from like, turn one went after allies and that ended up being Hmm. where i got the most points from um and joey really only had a handful of them he he only had maybe four or five points off of it whereas i had like 18 points off of my allies um you can also i really heavily went after building buildings um and the the way the buildings work is the um you place certain buildings on uh only each province can only have one building on it and so but then you multiply like the buildings times the number of provinces and it gets really complicated but um ultimately by by the end of the game you you have a good idea of how to play and that's kind of where i'm at now is that i feel like man there's uh i feel like i left some points out there on the board but i really feel like i could have a good shot at playing the beginning right. the, fr- the the first season or two and there's four seasons obviously the summer and winter and you know summer and spring and 
August and whatever. But w- winter's where it ends. Winter's uh, three rounds in winter, and then uh, winter is where everything gets more expensive. But you can also use your special winterborn power, which I haven't talked about, and I probably won't. But um, it kind of <laughs> gives you. Uh, kind of a thing that you can do that nobody else can but you you have to save up these um like favor tokens that you build up throughout the game and that was okay. another benefit i had as i started getting those early because i figured these must be worth something they're worth end game points and they let you use your winner power uh joey didn't really focus on that so he could only use his winner power like once or twice instead of once each round like i did um and right. that really helps um so there's just so many things going on and so many different avenues you could take, but it's really, you have to play it more than once. Uh, hmm. I, I think you would really like it a lot because it, it kind of hits on uh, one of the things you'd like, I know, is, is a lot of different choices. And, and I, I know you don't love obvious choices. I don't like obvious choices. Right. Uh, I don't like sitting down and going, you know what? I really should just do this one thing. Right. Uh, but in this one, you really should do anything that you want because it's very well balanced. You can go after a bunch of different things, um, but eventually you're going to have to kind of specialize and really start cranking points out in one way or another. Um, and it just it does so many of those things really, really well and it just hits that sweet spot for me. So I'm really excited to try it again at some nice. point. So hopefully yeah, it, when all this lifts, really cool. you'll play with me. <laughs> I will. Excellent. It uh it looks really cool. Yeah, and I really love the uh not having played it, I don't can't base obviously much impression ops uh beyond the art style, but I really really like the art style. It's very simplistic, but there's a lot of there's the more you look at it, the more there depth there is to it. It seems like a very minimalist style and even in the display of like the layout of the board, I'm looking at as you're talking, I'm looking at the uh the table layout. And it's very like crisp and clean. But um, I don't know. There's something about it that's very engaging, too. So I really love the color palette they chose and the art style that they chose as well. Yeah, it it ties everything together really well. The art all goes together with itself. It also has, um, for variability in play, these different banner cards that you you can put in. Um, With two players, you just play with two two sets of banners. But there's like, I don't know, eight or ten different banner sets you can play with. And so it's... uh, I mean, you have just like dozens of different ways to affect the game and some of them affect end game scoring and some of them let you um, like reverse your direction and things like that. So uh, they all seem like they would play very uniquely. So obviously I haven't uh, delved into anything besides what we played with on the one, which were kind of the suggested starter banners. But um, there is a, it, there's a lot of room for variability here. It does not seem like it would get stale. Um it did take a bit longer, quite a bit longer than it said it should. Um, we clocked it at about two and a half hours, but granted, we did learn it at the same time. Um, it says, what, like 60 to 90 minutes or something. Um, we might be able to get it down in 90 minutes, but if four <laughs> people were playing, I, I think you'd be lucky to get it done in two hours. Right, um, right. But if everybody knew what they were doing, certainly I, I guess I could see it as a possibility. But um, but it didn't feel like two and a half hours, which is actually also really nice. So yeah, it's such a really interesting layout too, with like the main map. So how, explain to me how that works, because so you have your your player board has like a mini map version of the main map, right? Yes. And what you're actually moving on is just your player board. And Correct. the main map is just a main map is just like a reference for what's available or what actions you can yes. do or where you can go. Okay. The the main map basically is what you st- it stores the um, the ally cards, the exploration cards, the uh, the tiles that you take to add to your player board, and okay. the uh, the spoils. So when you conquer gotcha. something, you take one of those tiles. You can take spoils, which kind of they're they're tiles that let you. Um, do a little something extra. A lot of them just sort of substitute for a card power or their end-of-game scoring of some sort. So th- okay. they're not super powerful, so there's not a lot of incentive to just really like compete with everyone and really go after those. Uh, but they're right. nice to have. They, they, they certainly serve their, their purpose and things like that. But uh, everybody is subject to what is available on that province on the main board. 
So okay. that's that's what makes the main board different from your board. Your board is where you go around and expand like your personal control and influence and where your, your meeples run around and things like that. But uh, if an exploration card is available in the, the yellow territory, it's the same one that everyone's looking at. Hmm, interesting. So, and the first one to get to it, it gets replaced by another one. And as the exploration cards get taken from each uh, season, you move. That's how you move on to the next season. Okay. So uh, huh. you can explore a lot. If everyone explores a lot early, uh, the game can get over a lot quicker. Um, sure. I didn't do a lot of it, and that's where the deck building comes in. Those explorer cards are the ones that go in your hand. So uh, if we really all went after the deck building part of it really quick, it'd probably be a fairly fast game. That's probably the hour less part of it. But we kind of took our time and explored other options and things like that, which is probably what drew it it out a little bit. Yeah. Yes. I've never seen a game that did this the way that this does. That whole kind of having the main board that everyone is subject to, but then having sort of your own little playground on the side that represents the same thing. I've never, I've never really seen that before. So. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's a really kind of fascinating structure. It's kind of nice uh, to have that. Uh, Cause I mean, you're basically, there's not a lot of player to player interaction, right? It's very Euro-y in that sense where it's uh, you're not directly affecting each other. It's more of a battle within the options to do things. Yeah, pr- pretty much. I mean, you never, like really face each other or do anything to uh directly to each other but uh the cards that are that are there the top card that's available if somebody's going after it and you know that would really benefit them you can always take the card they wanted so i mean there's there's a little bit of of that in sort of keeping track of what other people are going for and uh, if something would particularly help them versus you and things like that so you can upset people but you can't just like go after somebody so right right yeah no that's cool that's a really cool structure i like that layout too i don't know there's something about having that (laughs) that mini reminds me of a kind of like an element of a tiny epic game where um there's something about shrinking that structure down of moving around a little map that's just yours (laughs) i don't know why it's really intriguing to me (laughs) yeah it's it's really such a minor thing Definitely suggest that one to anyone. This is uh, this is available online uh, through the manufacturer. So um, they they printed plenty of them up. It, it definitely overfunded. So, um, but it it's uh, it surprised me. It it really really did. I wanted to give it a shot um, before we got on here, and I was prepared to kind of give some ins and outs just based on what I knew, but. Um, reading through the rules and actually playing it were two very different animals. So, hmm. uh, yeah, it pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised me. Huh. Interesting. Nice. Huh. So well, there we go. Playing? Yeah. Uh, I have been playing, I've been kind of taking a break this week, um, just for a variety of reasons, but I did get a play in of a game that's been on my radar for obviously a long time and haven't been able to ever get it played it's one that i kept seeming to like miss uh the opportunity to play and that's great western trail finally played great Great western Western trail Trail. i love it and i can see why it is really really cool and uh yeah there's i mean there's not much i can say that hasn't been raved about with this game but uh it was my first impression of it and my first take on it and i just had uh such a great time yeah i i totally get the accolades and why everyone loves it it has a lot of those elements that i've really really enjoy in the euro style games and it's also got the element that more and more you're kind of seeing more and more lately um uh, being used really well and that is a dynamic um play structure like a location structure in a game that is built by the players it's not a thing that comes up by the game itself like so these uh these locations are revealed it's each player reveals a location either they have an agency over what is revealed in this case where they can like choose which building to build on the trail then creating a a bonus for them or a roadblock for another player or just something that's happens that people have to re-encounter or it's like vindication where the players just explore and it pops up and it's just a grab bag of what might be there but 
of course, you're affecting the board state by exploring in one direction or another. So I'm really enjoying those type of games <laughs> that reveal the board as you play. And uh, I love the structure of this one where you have this set of buildings and everyone's got the same set of buildings. And if you focus on that, you can, if you or any other player can focus on building as an aspect of the game and suddenly really change the board state. And the way the buildings work are so cool. I love the fact that it's just for you. There's just a building that is just your thing. You build your own little stop on the wagon trail and do whatever it does for your little chain of events structure that you're uh, developing throughout the game. And um, it was an amazing feeling to be about three quarters of the way through the game or halfway through. I mean, probably been earlier if I knew what I was doing, but but really developing like my own little route of uh, chaining events and having other options within that chain. Like, all right, I'm going to pass this building this time because I don't really need to do that. But next time I'm going to really hit it hard. And then anyway, just such a cool structure, such a cool dynamic structure. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And those those are the kind of games that I think have such massive replayability too because it, it does yeah. really give you control over kind of, you know, how... Uh, how how you're going to set things up and you never know what other people are going to do. And, uh, and it goes from what I really like is that it goes from in the beginning, just this very quick sort of circular route you're playing to, as you're adding more stuff, uh, it takes longer to really achieve a lot of those, those goals as they, they become more valuable, they're harder to get, which yeah. I really like the idea of. Um, and, and that's another one where there's so many different ways you can go. Um, right. And, and it's uh, there's no super duper obvious choices, which uh, which obviously I like. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, it it really does it makes you think, but it doesn't. I don't feel like it makes you. I don't think any of these games really make you overthink. Um, no. Be- because there's so there there's a lot of good options. The thing I I don't like is uh, there, there are a lot of games that have uh, options, plenty of options, and there's no obvious ones. You're like, oh, that sounds great, but then you're like, okay, well, it has a whole bunch of kind of meh options where I could do right. this and get almost nothing, or I could do this and get almost nothing, or I could do this other thing and get almost nothing. Right. Which, like, I mean, it's, I, I guess you're getting something, but like, I I like games that really kind of reward whatever whatever strategy you go after, and I think it's a lot easier to pick the best of good options than it is to pick the best of meh options. So, right. But, yeah. But it definitely gives good options. I mean, there's there's you you don't do stuff that just doesn't do anything for you. Um, there, there's always something yeah. good you can do and there's always something that'll get you points and there's always something that will, will make progress in, in whatever, um, whatever avenue you're going down. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah, and it was really interesting that as a new player, I played with two people who um, had played before. They hadn't played a bunch, but they definitely played and gotten a kind of around the learning curve. And the options are, I feel like at least in the base level, it's another game where the strat you can you going into the game and getting explain the rules for the first time you immediately have just sort of a vague sense of strategy direction at least you you have a uh, a direction where you can go or a few things stand out but um what happened in that game is so the one of the things that i was immediately thinking as soon as they're telling me how to play i'm like okay well i'm going after cowboys cowboys are seem to be the way to go because cowboys is how you get more valuable cards into your hand and the more valuable cards you have in your hand you're um more, you're making more money when you get to Kansas City to drop off your cows and ship them off. So you have, you know, it's just an obvious uh, strategy option. But in our game, there was one cowboy at the beginning. I didn't get it. And then uh, the way the game works is there are three rolls that pop up. And um, it's a kind of a crapshoot if they pop up and if they're in the market or if someone gets it before you. And we just had a lot of builders. And so uh, and engineers. And so I ended up going after the builder strategy, which didn't seem obvious to me at first, but it was fun to follow that in, uh, down that road. And like you said, it, it never felt like 
obtuse. It, it definitely felt like, okay, well, now this is my building strategy. What do builders do? They build. All right, here's my, my, here's my sets of buildings. What can I afford? I can only afford these two. All right, of these two, what is the best one to do? And it was just this really cool domino effect of little decisions that sort of built my strategy for me until I could, as a new player, take the reins and really go after it. And I, I was really happy, happy with the results of uh, my uh, play. I ended up taking third, but only by one point. So I felt pretty happy with that. And, uh, uh, but yeah, it was just all a lot of little decisions and little structures that you're kind of familiar with, but they do a slight twist on it. That makes it very, very engaging and very interesting and blended together. It, yeah, exactly. Like kind of like early on or games of that ilk that really felt like, you were always doing something fun and interesting, and you always had the opportunity to jump or at least refocus a little bit. Okay, I've got buildings down, but maybe I just want to get rid of a builder or any of my uh, characters to get a bonus tile, and that would set me back in my ability to build. But maybe I'm done with building, and I don't really care. So it's kind of this cool structure of being able to abandon a strategy to a degree and uh, really just focus on something else, and that's va completely valid. So, man, that is that interplay was so cool. Yeah, and and it definitely is one of those games. I've I've played uh, I've played it a few times, and and yeah, the, what comes out? Those guys that come out really really dictate uh, your strategy. Um, yeah, and and you could be dead set on something in the beginning, but the game's just not going that way. Either somebody <laughs> yeah. gets to something before you, or you're sitting there going, you know what? I could I could do this, but then it kind of seeing what's coming and what's down the road and kind of what the options are going to be next turn or the turn after the turn after this is probably more the avenue that i want to take and it's very much determined by the game state uh which yeah which is cool that means you're never playing like the same thing over and over and over again so uh it, it gets better with repeated plays too which is surprising yeah that's but not that is a cool yeah <laughs> yeah that is a cool design i really appreciate that in games that are able to accomplish that because that's a hard feat to to do is to not have certain things that are familiar enough that you can go into a game and sort of uh go after a similar strategy it might be different or a lot of games do it slightly differently but you have kind of an idea of how you're going to go but that you really can't with great western trail because it might not those just options might not be there. So you have to play with pretty much almost all facets of the game uh, if you play it more than once, at least. So if you play it a couple times or regularly play it, you're going to experience just drastic different approaches to the game. It's going to feel really, really different for you, um, which is such a cool achievement for a design level of that game. Yeah, it really, really is. And and I that can't be easy to do. No, please. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, like I'm, I'm trying to think how I would reverse engineer something like that. Like, if if there's obvious choices, do you turn around and randomize parts of those choices, or do you restrict when those choices are available now to make uh, other not so obvious choices more ideal in certain scenarios? And then how do you right. do that? How do you make sure it's balanced? And that's the thing that always fascinates me is these games that are like, okay, you can take five different routes to get there, um, but all all of them, all five of them will get you to the same place if you play them properly. Uh, and, and they yeah. may take different handling and different amounts of time and, and different reward structures and things, but ultimately the fact that they take you to the same place is it, uh, balance it's unbelievable how how that can actually end up washing sometimes uh but it yeah, does it, it works it works really well in some games it made me look back and have you played any other games of um this designer alexander fister fister or feister i'm not sure how you pronounce that uh, i've only played fister. i played oh my goods which is I, I borrowed that from you recently mm. um but there's a bunch. I was just looking at his other games he's designed, and it just uh, I've heard of a lot of these, but I haven't had a chance to play them. But it's just a lot of games where it's kind of like um, uh, uh, just any good designer that you really like or you find to discover a game and you just want to go back and, and play some of the previous games. And it's interesting playing Oh My Goods and then Great Western Trail. They're only a year apart, but there's like design elements of Oh My Goods in a very limited way that I could see um, – 
made it not made it into this game, but there you can tell it's sort of a similar design approach from the same designer and 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 uh, the way that plays. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. I could kind of see an element of this here and sort of an evolution to a degree um, of that yeah, game. I so have, anyway, it really makes me want to play some more of his stuff. Yeah, I have uh, Mombasa and uh, Blackout Hong Kong are both by Fister as well. Yeah, um, and I've I've kind of played around with both of them, but I haven't actually been able to play them play them uh great western trail is the one i have the most familiarity with for sure and i know that uh, blackout hong kong takes uh is is very close to uh some of the design elements of mombasa but I, i'd be curious to see playing either one of them to see if there's uh if we can spot any great western trail yeah. anything in there like if there's some tendencies that that he has because it seems like every every designer has some tendencies that you sort of see in every game yeah absolutely it's a fun structure too i really love the idea of uh because it's i mean it's not that it's sort of playing with that pick up and deliver concept well i guess literally <laughs> you are right. picking up the cows <laughs> and dropping them off but uh but it definitely doesn't feel tedious in any way it's really exciting to get back on the trail and that that tempo of this game was so fascinating to me, where you can rush to Kansas City to get your cows sold, to make that money, to get back on the trail, and then kind of repeat that cycle quickly. But there are huge reasons why you would slow down on the trail to hit up the stops and do the benefits that the stops offer offer you. And so that, like, hurry, um, what's the, what do they call that? Uh, hurry up and wait type of structure, where <laughs> right. you have this sense of urgency, but there's real value in in slowing down, even though that urgency never leaves you. you. As you see people, especially getting closer to Kansas City, and they're dropping stuff off, and you know that you have your you got your eye on the character market, uh, the market where you can pick up other uh, employees, and you know that you want something there, and so it's like, oh, I want that guy, but I gotta do this thing first to afford that guy. Anyway, the the tempo of the game, the fluctuating tempo, is, was so cool that i've never felt anything quite like that in any other game and uh, where i was pretty much in control of the flow like i could stop at any time or slow down at any time but um anyway and once again it's no bad choices of how fast or slow you want to do it but there's just value in either one and so that i don't know i just can't really explain it that yeah. well but it's such a cool feeling well and that kind of reminds me uh it actually makes me think of uh dice hospital because oh sure yeah yeah you can you can rush through and you can just heal 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 and heal like two guys on every turn or you can hold off and kind of get lower people a little higher and kind of get everybody medium and then sort of just rush out like like bust out nine people and get like this exponential score right. uh, in in four or five rounds instead of in one and uh and so you can kind of control and that's another game that i think does the the same thing very well is that you could just rush through it you could just go 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 you get a whole bunch of fives you heal them and bam every turn you're healing two guys but then you're missing out on a lot of that that exponential growth and that boom of scoring that it's kind of that other people might be getting Right, but it but it's also daunting to see somebody getting like points every single turn, and you're not, you right? Know, and you're yeah. like just trying to tell yourself, you know, don't worry, <laughs> I'm gonna get I'll some come. points. I'm gonna get some points. Yeah. Relax, relax. <laughs> it'll come around, <laughs> come around. Yeah, it'll yeah. be just fine. So, <laughs> yeah, just a amazing achievement. I had such a great time playing that, and I look forward to playing that again. Um, as well so that was my big that was my big play of uh the week that i hadn't played before and other, other than that i've been playing some uh just re- revisiting some stuff and entering people to some other games that we've talked about before but um uh anything on the horizon that you're li- looking forward to or interested in or um been thinking about um man not really i've got <laughs> i've got about uh i think 17 or 18 kickstarters that i'm looking for in the next probably six months or so um but i haven't really been looking on the horizon too much uh i've just been so busy with work and everything that's going on here that it's uh i have not had a chance to look forward to anything what are you looking (laughs) forward to what is Um, on the horizon nothing um 
nothing delivery wise. I've just been playing around with a couple things on uh, the virtual board gaming options. And uh, for me, I've just been playing around with uh, the Hellboy board game. I just was sort of interested in that. It's just a, it's kind of a dungeon crawler setup. And the way they do it, though, is um, somewhat unique. I'm just getting into it, so I don't know too much of the details. But I, I remember watching some videos about it and thinking that was a kind of a cool structure of the uh, using the Hellboy elements. You know, with all those dungeon crawlers, it's always like... The ideal way to do it is to um, keep a familiar structure, but also do it in a in a unique way to whatever the internet uh, the uh, intellectual property is that you're using. And so Hellboy, as opposed to like a hack and slash game, is there's like a detective element to it, an investigation element to it. So kind it feels kind of like an Arkham setup in a way, which would be appropriate because it's sort of macabre and gothic. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, I've just been playing with that and learning that game and uh, hoping to get a uh, playthrough of that in uh, the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, that's one kind of an, I've been dealing or doing right now in my horizon, my personal horizon. Nice. I really like, uh, I like, loved the Hellboy comic books. And uh, up until the last movie, I really liked the yeah. movies. <laughs> yes. A yes. lot. Not talk about the last movie, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist. But, um, <laughs> speaking of not existing yet, um, I just happened to. I know a couple of weeks ago we mentioned uh, Frosthaven on Kickstarter, and we we yeah, marveled yeah. and dazzled at how well it was doing. Uh, well, it still has four days to go. By the time this comes out, it'll be three days to go, and uh, it's up over nine million dollars. Oh my god, that's uh, amazing! Of its uh. It expected five hundred thousand. Really, five hundred thousand. Astu- yeah, that's astounding. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> so such a low estimate for them too. It's like I guess we'll just put this out for a five hundred thousand. It's like sure. I'm, a, sure. I'm astounded it got to nine million, but uh, that's that's amazing that they did that. It's yeah, still four days to go. That's ridiculous. That's unreal. I can't. Uh, and you know it'll get a, a boost at the end. I wouldn't be surprised to see that hit ten. Um, it's over sixty-one thousand, uh, sixty-one thousand five hundred and seventy-one backers. It's just sixty-five thousand backers. Jeez, that's, that's, that's insane. That, what is the? Uh, I don't know anything about the like the statistics or numbers on like highest. Like I know the like the the backing value usually gets referenced as like the best most um yeah most money backed for a specific game. But I wonder how much the like backing specific numbers of people who backed uh, rankings are. I would I would imagine Gloomhaven and Frosthaven have got to be at the top up there. But I'm curious how it breaks down beyond that. Oh, I would imagine so. I, I would, I, I would, I would certainly think so. Um, I think, I think Frosthaven has to be breaking records at this, at this point. I would hope so. If that, at those numbers, it's got, it's got to be. My God. Um, I know. Let's see. Oh, Pebble Time watches. Uh, twenty million. <laughs> uh, let's see if we could actually find a board game in here. <laughs> <laughs> Kingdom Death Monster actually still holds the record. Does it really? Wow. Twelve million three hundred ninety-three thousand. Oh wow. That's insane. And I that... don't even think that wasn't even the original, I don't think. That was uh Yeah, I think that might have been the reboot. Wow, that's that's just ridiculous. Is that, that's got to be ridiculous, right? That's ridiculous. Um, that but that's amazing. the closest. Uh, Exploding Kittens uh, was the next highest board game at uh, 8.7 million. So Frosthaven's already beaten that. So it looks like Frosthaven will be at least number two uh, as crazy. far as board games go. Oh, that's crazy. That's just astounding. That's I mean, it's it's so cool that like because uh, you know you don't have a sense that they're the uh, hobby is uh, very big and growing, but then to have like the numbers like that being posted for these releases is just sort of astounding to think about. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And to see something like Frosthaven beat out Exploding Kittens, which I mean, ended up being in, you know, Target and Walmart and everything else, as, that's right. a mass market game. And to see something that's as niche as uh, 
as Frosthaven, which even Gloomhaven was was pretty niche. I mean, it's not something that hit everybody the right way, and certainly it's not everyone's favorite thing. Or, but it's uh, it's up there, and uh, I I I'm still I'm floored. Every time I look at those numbers, I'm floored. Why oh, do you man. think why do you think Gloomhaven is so popular? Just like I don't you, know. give me your I, opinion. Like what, what I is honestly it? don't quite get it, to be honest, you know? I mean I'm not saying it's a like I don't understand it's not a bad game. It's a it's a great game. I've never played it myself, but I've talked to fans people who really love the game and regularly play it. And I, I, I get that, but so I don't know. I, I mean is it a, is it the fact that it's such a compelling story? Is it the because uh, there's been games that have been very much like it? Uh, dungeon crawlers, uh, basically exploration games. Maybe it's that it's more of a broader world that you can explore. It's more closer to a D and D experience than um, just a straight up dungeon crawler. But maybe I just don't know enough about it. To me, it just doesn't stand out that drastically enough to be as astoundingly that, as successful as it is. <laughs> but that that's could what just I be was, my ignorance. That's what I was thinking. Is maybe it's as close to a role-playing game board game hybrid as you can get where it's uh it's the board game elements that the tabletop guys go for uh but at the same time it's still attractive to D &D guys who are like it's not as free form as i'd like but it's it's it has that that role-playing and that storytelling element and the the it's a long campaign type game and and maybe it's just like that perfect storm of getting two different communities to finally agree on something so maybe is is that it i mean it must be right like because i feel like the because the big dungeon crawler before that was descent that was like massively successful and and they build other games off the descent structure Mm. like uh, imperial assault is a descent based system and um and that was more of this typical like like a really cool dungeon crawl structure that brought you into it um and not knowing enough about Gloomhaven, I can't say, but I, I've heard that Gloomhaven is just more, uh, well, there's more of a card deck system there. And so that could be, which is a big board game element versus just chucking dice. And um, I don't know, maybe it's just there's different strategy options or a deeper strategy option available um, that sort of, like you said, crosses over from board game, feeling like board game decisions versus um, RPG decisions mashed up so i could see why that would be a huge attraction but it's just sort of amazing to me that it hit the audience it hit and the scale that it hit that in, a, in the way that it hit it's just sort of astounding because it I, it's not that i wouldn't want to play it but it definitely doesn't seem like i i'm rushing out and giving it all my money you know what i mean take yeah. all my money gloomhaven take it and you see <laughs> you see all these people who like love gloomhaven but you also see a lot of gloomhaven hate like on Twitter yeah. and stuff, you see people like, oh, I bought it and it, it wasn't my thing and I didn't really care for it or wasn't what I sure. thought it was going to be or, oh, it's been sitting in the top of my closet for a year. Uh, and you can right. see it, you know, on, on sale half price at, you know, stores and stuff. And, and it's just not, doesn't seem like it's moving. It seems like, up oh, the Gloomhaven days have gone. And then Frosthaven busts out and makes even more money than Gloomhaven did. And you're like, well, that... <laughs> That has to say something that people don't have as much hate as it seems like they have, right? Yeah, or it's just the new... Well, no, it's not even the new audience, probably, because like you said, you can still get Gloomhaven. It's not a Kickstarter. They they backed it large yeah. enough that you could find it around. It's not just because they're exclusive. And nobody's so. going to say, oh, Gloomhaven sucked. I'm going to do Frosthaven instead. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, it's literally, like I, it, as far as I'm aware, it's basically a direct sequel. Right, uh, I, right. I don't think I think it uses the same system and everything. It's just everything you love about Gloomhaven and more. Uh, so it's yeah. it's not people who are like, oh, Gloomhaven's stupid. Let's move on to Frosthaven. <laughs> yeah, I tried it. I gave it a chance. I gave it several hundred dollars, and and I'm ready to try the next thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm next. I'm ready to try the next thing that's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this time though, it's set yes, in a colder this time it'll universe. Be 
Yes. <laughs> the cold makes all the difference. <laughs> That's what was wrong with Gloomhaven. It wasn't cold enough. It's <laughs> still too hot. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it, this is going to be so much better. Yes, anything with ice will be way better. So exactly. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's a it's fascinating though how um, that just sort of hit and was embraced to, to this just huge huge degree. I mean, um, I don't know. It makes you wonder too about other games that don't that are popular but don't reach that level. And I don't know if it's um, storytelling or what. Like. And this is a different comparison, but once again, Ryan Lockett's games, or Laukat, as I like to say, um, his <laughs> games are really amazing, like, depth and story and cool worlds, and they're popular. They're not unpopular by any means, but um, but uh, it always felt to me like they should be more popular. I don't know. I Maybe it's just because I really like his games. But uh, And there's other games like that or other designers that have um, deep games or hugely developed games that um, do well, but don't blow the roof off of it like like this game did so i it's a hard comparison yeah. to, make to be able to ever get that level but it's just weird that's the, all how i can the desires go. think of is it's just it's it's got to be just the bringing the two groups together just the fact that it hits on two different levels is all i can think of yeah um, because it's it's yeah on on a, a base level it, it, it i'm with you there are i think other games that are more innovative and i think there are other games that are just as good at at storytelling and other games that can bring you into a world that's every bit as fascinating i don't think there's any other games that have a bigger box uh so maybe that's it (laughs) maybe it's just sheer box size yeah uh, that could (laughs) Could be be doing it um yeah, I don't know. It's like, hey, you can buy this game, you can play it, and then you can, you know, pack stuff in it if you're going across country. Right, um, <laughs> right. I, I don't know. It. Yeah, it's like buying a tote. You get a free tote with your with your game. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but hey, I'm I'm glad it did because I mean, even people outside of, you know, regular old tabletop world, people who you know, don't know uh, citadels from a viticulture are uh, no Gloomhaven. And so I think it's it's actually done pretty a lot of favors for our community in that it's probably brought in some D&D players who maybe hadn't delved too much or miniatures players who hadn't delved too much into straight tabletop games uh, and kind yeah. of bringing them into this community. And so uh, I, I think it's helped move us forward as a whole. So, I mean, no complaints with that. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. I love the fact that when you do talk to people who aren't gamers and they can reference or heard of something, like and back in the day, you know, it's happened before, like other games. Like, I feel like Ticket to Ride, way, way, way back when that came out, <laughs> that was, on a much smaller scale, was like a game that people just like heard of for some reason. Or, um, uh, well, Exploding Kittens is another good example of a game that exploded that people have heard of for a variety of reasons. But I love that feeling, though, when you're talking to someone. You mentioned board games, and they they take a pause and try to remember the only board game they can think of that they've heard of recently. And it's usually something like that. That's such a cool, yeah. cool impression that the hobby is growing and growing and growing. So Yeah, as long as they don't say, oh, pie face. It's the one where they throw <laughs> the pie in the face. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, no. Gosh. We're we're not children. <laughs> we're not small children. <laughs> no, it's not like Mousetrap. <laughs> nope. That is not nope. it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, like Hungry Hungry Hippos? Well, I guess, but sort no sort dexterity of? and completely different. <laughs> uh, that's funny, yeah. Oh, well, that's good signs. Good signs all around that the games uh, and the industry is growing and doing well. well. We'll still be around after all of this is done and how long it takes to get your games will be a question mark, but uh, hopefully that'll be resolved quickly. So, Yeah, I would think so. Most of my Kickstarters have started releasing in the last uh, last couple weeks, started releasing um, updates where yeah, that's great. Uh, they, are, they, are in, they are manufacturing now and they're moving. There's a couple that are on boats and stuff like that. So... I think the process is moving. Um, yeah. I think there was probably a two-month, three-month maybe hiccup uh, in a lot of the productions on these Kickstarters. But I don't, I don't know of any that are, are not moving forward or that are just like um, irreparably set back or anything. So uh, if you're looking for something, it, it's coming. It's coming, I promise. 
So yeah. Yeah, I feel I do feel like that as well. Like the production side of the world, uh, that where the most of the games, uh, specifically China, where they get <clears throat> produced, is they're so far ahead of what we're going through right now. <laughs> that you're right. It's like flipping into the back to normalcy, at least semblance of normalcy, um, which is good for board games and everything else. But we'll see. Be patient. There's a lot of games to play, everybody, and um, they'll come. They will get here. Yes, eventually, Someday. eventually, and eventually <laughs> we'll all be able to sit at a table within six feet of each other again, yes. and and it'll be amazing with fresh amazing. haircuts. Yes, and showered. Yes, we you we won't you won't even be able to smell us. Um, <laughs> so it, it'll be nice. It'll be nice. I can't wait for a haircut. Actually, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit of a mullet. And so it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing. I like to like tuck it behind my my collar when I go to to work, but it sort of sneaks out sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, look like Joe Dierte. Oh uh, yeah. Are you Kid Rock? Nope, nope. I am not. In fact, Kid Rock. <laughs> oh yeah, good old uh, yeah. Mine's uh, getting pretty shaggy too. We're all shaggy all around. It's uh, it's interesting where part what parts of your head grow faster than the others. It's uh, a fun little science right? experiment everyone's getting to figure out right now. Yes, yes, I have parts of my hair that are growing faster than others too. So <laughs> it's unfortunate. Is it a vitamin deficiency or is it too many vitamins of a specific type? Who knows? What am I eating? Why is it growing? Making my hair grow out the sides <laughs> so aggressively? Right? Yes, yes. Why is this one growing? This one patch. <laughs> It's growing weirdly, but uh, all right. Well, that we actually that's uh, this turned out to be be a decent conversation. I was a little concerned that this episode yeah. would be uh, would be, you know, we'd just it's be sitting a, here going. So, how's it going? It's always a with question you? mark. Yeah, it's always a question mark when we haven't been able to have game night consistently, or yeah, comic yeah. point of reference and. So anyway, yeah, no, this is great. I'm glad we could uh, zone in on a couple games and really get into them. We'll have to do that again on uh, some some stuff we'll have a chance to play. So, yeah, um, definitely. Well, well, we'd love to hear from everyone else and see how you guys are doing and what you're playing and what you're getting into and what's sort of fascinating you. If you've stumbled across a game that you hadn't played, uh, have never played and wanted to play, and you it was everything you hoped, or if it fell flat, or um, something you're hoping to get played uh, soon and and check out and let us know what your thoughts are on that. So you can of course yes, get a hold of us. In a few well, I would ways. love to hear. I'd love to hear uh, before you tell them how to get a hold of us. Uh-huh. I'd love to hear stories about people who bought a game, read the rules, and were ready to start playing. And once they played it, it basically it felt different than they had envisioned. Uh, I'm yeah, really curious to hear something like that. Stories like yeah. That. Yeah, just some surprises there. That that's always a fun story or an interesting take on like and exactly what like what fell flat to you? What were you expecting and what flipped your uh, expectations on its head? And uh, why you know why was that a negative thing or maybe why did that uh, take you out of it in a way? That's always interesting. Expectations versus the reality type of stuff. Yes, and so how well, can they get a hold of us? Well, there's a couple of ways, a few ways actually. Uh, of course, you can get a hold of us on Twitter or Instagram. Instagram, not Instagram. Um, that was a Freudian, Freudian slip, I guess. Instagram, <laughs> Instagram. Is, is totally different. <laughs> at roasted, at roasted Games One, and you can also get a hold of us on um, our Facebook page at Roasted Games. Uh, we are the Burning Die. You'll check. You can check us out there. You can also go to our podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com, and scroll down to our Roasted Games page and click on the comment section and find us that way as well. So those are probably the easiest and best ways. And we love to hear from you guys and uh, kind of sense what everyone else is up to these days and how you're uh, planning for hopefully the next couple months getting out of this um, structure of never-ending. I don't know what it is. It never-ending. Uh, I don't indecision. <laughs> yes, never ending indecision. But uh, until next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you all on the next episode. Bye.